Welcome to Wild Hearts at Work, a podcast redefining our relationship with work through stories and conversations with Wild Hearts who have dared to challenge the status quo. And now, here's your host, Melissa Boggs. Hello and welcome back to the Wild Hearts at Work podcast. This is your host, Melissa Boggs, and this week we're going to talk about storytelling. And who better to bring on the podcast to talk about storytelling than someone known as the head storyteller and mischief maker, <laughs> Seth Erickson. Seth, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So... We're going to start with like the most exciting news of the week, because I I don't know how you like go forward with the podcast without starting here, which is that you currently have a best-selling book that hasn't even been released yet. Yes. Um, I apparently am ranking for three different categories on Amazon. Uh, I think number 16 in business communication, number 22 in marketing and 96 in communication skills. So uh, I I was shocked. I woke up one morning and went to the page and it was like best-selling list. And I was like, what? <laughs> My book's not out yet. Like, how am I doing that? Um, but uh, yeah, so. <laughs> so, it's, so it's on pre-order and that's how you're able to start climbing the ranks, right? Yes. Yes. And it's on pre-order for 99 cents uh, until October 15th. So it's Super cheap. <laughs> so I've heard <laughs> super cheap. So I've heard that this book, and we are going to reveal the title here in a second, is um, as if Ryan Reynolds wrote a business book. And yes. so I have to read this book. Please tell us what is the name of your book? Uh, How to Hack Humans Storytelling for Startups. Um, but it's not just for startups. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur or small business owner or anybody who's interested in learning about story, this book will will teach you. It's just, I work with startups. So that's, that's the, where I kind of focused my attention, but it, the, the information is good across any industry. So. Amazing. So help us get here. Uh, what's your background? Where did you come from? Why is this storytelling important? So important that you wrote a best-selling book about it. <laughs> um, well, so I guess part of it was uh, my own personal journey of kind of figuring myself out. Um, I started, I went to design school and was told design it changes the world and it's amazing. And I did that for a long time because people paid me to do it and I was good at it. But there was kind of this missing piece for me where I felt like, okay, I'm helping my clients because I'm designing beautiful things for them, but it's not really moving the needle in their business. And so there was some dissatisfaction, like I wanted to have a bigger impact, I guess, or effect on, you know, like we would design a new website or some material for for somebody and they would be like, this is amazing. We love it. And then I'd be like, well, did, you know, are you getting new, you know, more sales through your website? Well, no. (laughs) Well, okay. I mean, I'm glad you paid me and I'm glad you're happy that you paid me. Right. Like you didn't feel like I took advantage of you, but I, I'm not happy because I want to be like, oh, our sales went up by such and such percent or whatever, you know? And um, in 2015, I, I had a friend of mine who was the global head of branding for GoDaddy say, dude, you're a storyteller. And I was like, I am. And he's like, yeah, you story of everything. And, um, I said, great. How do you make money being a storyteller? 
right? Because I'm not going to Hollywood to write a write a screenplay or direct a movie. I'm not going to write a a book. Little did I know. Uh, <laughs> dun dun dun. Yeah, right. And uh, he gave me this book called Story Wars by Jonas Sachs, and um, I read the book. He talks a lot about story, and I found uh, found out that he runs an agency. And I was like, oh wait, so you can run an agency and be a storyteller? Okay, maybe there's something here. Um, but the bigger piece to that was it really resonated with me, like like lightning when I read that book and I was like, okay. And so I pretty much went on audible. Um, it, like I had an addiction problem and, um, just was buying those three credit packs, like <laughs> a couple of days, <laughs> daddy needs a fix. I need, and I was just reading books and I read, um, I read over 50 books on the topic. And what happened was through some of those books, they started talking about like neuroscience here and there. And I was like, neuroscience, I love brain stuff. Let's do that. So um, then what you find is if you want to learn about neuroscience, there's lots of books on neuroscience, but I, I wanted to find specific things or things that were specific to storytelling where they had done research around stories. And so I read several hundred research papers. Um, I boiled them all down and put the findings in the book so that you won't have to read them because the, they're boring as hell. The papers are just dry. These these people don't know how to tell a story to save their lives. It's just all facts and figures. <laughs> so, um, so I guess what I'm saying is I I became an expert on through research because they don't have a degree in storytelling at school. It's one of those things where you have, kind of have to go out and learn on your own. And so, um, so I, I started learning these things, and I was like, well, let's apply some stuff. And I tried some stuff with clients, and they were like, this is amazing. And I was like, oh crap, we're getting results. Um, that's good. Let's do more of that. And so we actually transitioned from being like a generic design agency into a branding and storytelling agency. So that's, that's my journey in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> I love that so much. And I love the meta, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The meta-ness of you had to write a story about storytelling because the research papers about storytelling we're not stories. Right. <laughs> like it's just, it's like as meta as you can get. Um, so what are some of the things that you took away from that besides the obvious um, that storytelling is very powerful and our brains need it, right. That our brains are searching for it. Mm-hmm. What are the, some of the, imagine there's like a recipe for a good story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I would say the most, the most popular recipe is, is what we would call the hero's journey. And uh, I think some people know about that and some people don't, but um, Star Wars, for example, is the hero's journey. Uh, it goes through all 15 elements. And um, actually Joseph Campbell, who basically wrote the book on the hero's journey, um, worked with George Lucas on it to, to create uh, the story of Star Wars. So, um, and what's interesting is that I think a lot of people don't realize that they're storytellers as well. Um, they tell stories all the time, but they don't think about it as if they're telling stories. They're just communicating in their heads. And it, I look at it like people look at breathing, they're like, you know, I don't think about my breathing. I just breathe. Right. And so, um, but now that we've had, you know, crazy people like Wim Hof come out and, and go, if you focus on your breathing, you can, you know, sit in zero degree temperature and not freeze. And, you know, it's like crazy stuff like that. Well, 
I'm I'm kind of the guy who's come along and said, okay, uh, everybody does this, but you need to get better at it because it will help you um, communicate better. It will help you connect with the people that you're talking to at a deeper level. Um, and the science proves that out. Like uh, one of the neuroscience aspects that I found really fascinating was they did a study where they had a storyteller stand in a, um, with a big audience. It's like 500 or 1,000 people. They hooked up the storyteller's brain to uh, some diodes, and then they hooked up the audience to the diodes, and they had the storyteller tell a story. And what happened was over time, they started to see that everybody in the audience, their brainwaves synced up with the storyteller's brainwaves. Right. Real science fiction stuff. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Say that again. So the over time, so the storyteller's brain wave wavelengths are going at a certain level. Over time, everybody in the audience started to sync up to that. And and so by the time by the time the story was done, all all the brains are basically in the same wavelength because they're engaged in the story and they're listening to the what the person's saying. So that's why I say you can connect with people at a deeper level if you're telling a good story. <laughs> so I feel like this is what I need to tell my seventh grade son when he's going to go in and do a presentation for school is, you know, you need to get your friends on the same wavelength as you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and I kind of joke, but I feel like part of the point of, you know, your book and your work is that that's kind of true that, that anyone can do that given you know, the right story and the right audience. Yeah. Well, think about it this way. Um, since a lot of your audience is, you know, working in the corporate world, there are many great leaders who are also great storytellers. And when they tell good stories, they inspire their teams to achieve things that other people don't do. And it's because that leader is, a, is using the power of story to, to bring people along with him and to support his ideas or her ideas and their vision and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So for those folks, to your point, um, leaders aren't the only ones that can do that. You know, when you and I sort of had our pre podcast chat, I mean, <laughs> we were talking about how powerful this could be for, mm -hmm. I'm going to be real cheesy, but for these wild hearts mm -hmm. at work, you know, you can, you can use story to help essentially brand a movement, right? Yes. Like help a movement go forward. Um, are there, are there movements that you think did really well with storytelling? Um, well, I would say that uh, in any, any movement that still exists today or has st stood the test of time has effectively used storytelling. Right, like some movements come and go, and some continue to stay. Um, so, without going like too far down, you know, like the political rabbit hole, you could say that the um, the Democrats have created a story that has sustained uh, for hundreds of years in our countries, and so has the you know Republican side. And those stories quite often are at odds with one another. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if you look at things like uh, the Bible, the Bible is almost 90% story. Um, the rest of it is, uh, you know, numbers and, and things like that, genealogies. But it, I mean, so whatever, um, 
whatever you're doing, whatever movement you want to create within the organization, you know, you have to create a powerful story. If you create a so-so story, people might follow it for a little while. Um, you know, like Occupy Wall Street was a big thing, right? They were like, you know, the they created the story of like the kind of the rich versus the poor and, you know, um, but that story didn't really have staying power. And so, you know, there's not much many people, I don't know if there's any people down, you know, I still occupying wall street, right? Because it, it, that story kind of came and it, and it ran its course and it was done. Um, but then you have other stories like star Wars, you know, they're still making star Wars, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and people still talk about star Wars and, and they love it. And, um, and that's the other thing is like, you know, to tell a good story, you have to have relatable human experiences like star Wars, you know, just from the get go, it's like, you're young, you're lost. You don't know what to do. That's Luke, right? Um, you know, later on, you find out your father's an asshole. Well, mm. I, you know, lots <laughs> of people have dealt with that, right? And then, you know, I, I mean, and then the whole thing of like being in love with your sister. Well, maybe, I guess that's not something that most people deal with. Awkward. But, <laughs> um, you know, and and having friends and overcoming challenges and growing and and becoming better and having people come into your life that mentor you and help you along the way, right? Like that is the role of the mentor and in, in the hero's journey. That's Obi Wan Kenobi and and Yoda. We've all well, hopefully, we've all had people who have been poured into our lives and wanted to help us be better. And and so, uh, so what I'm saying is, it's it's a human experience, and you know, it's like. If you can tell a story that that people connect with because they've experienced those things, they're both they'll be more likely to listen to you and want to understand, you know, what your objective is. Um, so one of the ways that can go wrong though is when you make the story all about yourself. And I know in our our pre podcast interview, uh, <laughs> we talked about vision and how. Um, People say, oh, I have a vision. What's your vision? Oh, to make $2 million by next year. And it's like, well, that's all about you, right? So if you're going to tell a story and start a movement, it has to be about other people, right? And um, there are different ways to tell a personal story. But if you're going to create a movement, that is a different type of story and requires different elements. Definitely. So when we're talking about you know how people can navigate this in the corporate world, so to speak. Um, what are a few things that you would have them keep in mind? I mean, we already named, you know, don't make it about you, make it about, yeah. you know, the person that they're trying to reach. Um, what other things, because we also, you know, it's different than branding a product. It's different than trying to sell someone a thing. You're basically trying to sell them an idea. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what do you say to them? Um, start with the problem, um, you know, define the problem out clearly so that people can go, okay, I, I see that's a problem too, right? Because if, if your audience doesn't see it as a problem, then that's where your story is going to kind of die on the vine. Um, so start with the problem and, and, and maybe talk to other people and go, Hey, are you seeing this thing? Are you seeing that thing? And, and they may be like, no, I don't, or yeah, I do. Right. And then, so you start with that problem and then you do is you actually exacerbate the problem. You kind of stick your finger in the wound um, and say, and here's why this problem is so detrimental to us and what we're trying to do. Right. And so, so you explain that. And then, um, 
you know, if you're the one leading the situation, then then you need to position position yourself as, you know, the mentor who is like, I've experienced this problem too. Here's what I dealt with when I went through this problem. Here's how I think we should overcome it. You create a plan, right? And then the other thing is, um, sometimes people when they go into storytelling, they try to tell, uh, they te- they have too many plot points, right? They're like, and this thing, 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 and it's like, no, we we need we need to keep this thing focused. So I typically say focus on one thing or at least, um, you know, like one main thing. And then you may have three sub points to that thing, right? Cause it's the rule of three where we as humans, three is the smallest pot- uh, pattern we can understand. Um, and we like patterns cause <laughs> that's how our brains work. And so uh, we remember sets of three better than we remember sets of five, right? So, so if you're going to inspire people, like I said, have made one major pain, maybe three sub sub points that that relate to that pain, and then position yourself as the mentor, and and say I've I've dealt with this, I've had this experience, and and I think we can overcome it, but we need to work together, right? And then you kind of have to kind of do what we would in marketing we might call future pacing. It's sort of the um, here's what life look, could look like if we overcome this, right? Like. In Star Wars, it's sort of the idea of like the galaxy will be free of tyranny, right? And um, you know, and and so we have to stop the empire uh, because of the tyranny and, and the control that they're trying to bring. So, um, so you paint a you kind of future pace and say, here's what it would look like if we go and we work together to achieve this thing. And then you can also talk a little bit, not a lot. Like you don't like want to go too too into the negative, but you can throw a little bit of negative in there which will all kind of speak people's emotions to a certain degree. And really the emotions is where people take action. So you hook them with the story, but then you have to build the emotion into it. And, and they may already have it just from the get go with the problem. Like, right. Like you might be like, this thing's happening and everybody's like, ah, we hate that. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, um, so, so you, you kind of say, you know, we can either have things continue to be this way or we can change them. And I think we, we can change them. And so let's go do that. Right. And then that's kind of your call to action, right? Like the, the hero or the, uh, the hero needs a call to action and you as the mentor are quite often calling the hero into action. Um, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, I can teach you to be a Jedi. And Luke's like, nah, I'm going to go back to my work. <laughs> and then, you know, he finds that, uh, you know, his, his family has been, uh, <laughs> flame broiled um so then he finally goes okay i guess i should do this this jedi thing right like um i actually talk about that extensively in the book i give my own personal take on <laughs> what's actually happening and with a lot of side commentary but um yeah so so that is essentially kind of the recipe for for creating a movement and how to approach it one of the big things with storytelling is order of operations. Um, if you tell the story out of order, it gets confusing. Uh, and you don't want to confuse your audience. You want to speak to them very clearly using a pattern that they, their brains will pick up on and recognize immediately. And then, you know, from there, it's up, up to the people that you're speaking to, 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 to say, yeah, I, I think that's a problem too. I want to join you on this journey of fixing this thing or no, I don't see it as a problem. So, you know, you can just use the problem to kind of te- test the marketplace, if you will, right? Is this something you guys are seeing? Yeah, we're seeing that. Is it, you know, what about you? Nope, I don't see that at all, 
right? Because everybody has a different perspective. So um, I think I think I've rambled on that so, on that topic enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about what you just described? It's not the whole thing, but it actually reminded me a lot of a book that many of us in the change agent world mm-hmm. um, refer to, and that's Leading Change by John Cotter. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the first things he talks about is like the need for, you know, a, he doesn't call it this, but I'm going to rephrase it as like a compelling story, right? Mm-hmm. The problem to be solved, creating urgency around that. I mean, you were kind of like following some of the pattern to a certain point. And it just sort of struck me how much all of this is patterns. Like, there's no, I'm going to say something that sounds negative and it's, it's not, but there's no new stories, right? Like these are all patterns. These are all experiences. Mm -hmm. What makes it a new story is you, you know, in your case, what made, you know, how to hack humans, a new story is your experience, your narrative about star Wars. Um, (laughs) You know, and I think that's, so important because it can be really easy to hear other people talking about something and telling a story that sounds similar to yours. So Mm -hmm. you just give up, Mm -hmm. right? It's like the opposite of building a movement because you start to think like, well, they're already telling a story and it's better than mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about story is that it's easy to mix and match. I, I have the illustration of like, I like to use baking, right? Like there's all these ingredients, right? To make a cookie, but you can make a lot of different kinds of cookies and you can make a chocolate chip cookie and you can make, you know, uh, a peanut butter cookie and you can make a, a snickerdoodle and right. And it's using a lot of the same ingredients, eggs, butter, flour, sugar, salt, you know, um, but uh, I could make a chocolate chip cookie and you could make a, you know, an M&M cookie. Right. Or my chocolate chip cookie has, you know, walnuts or pecans in it and yours doesn't. Right. Like there's lots of um, lots of ways to change things up and create something different using the same formula or pattern. So. So what makes what makes the biggest difference in which cookie you should choose or which story that you should tell to that other person or those other people? Um, the biggest difference is understanding your audience, understanding their, their problems and their pain. Um, if, because it's like trying to sell aspirin to somebody without a headache, I've got aspirin. Do you want it? No, I don't have a headache. It's like, so, you know, whatever that problem is, you, you have to understand the customer or the person who that you, you want to sell that idea to, right? Like if you're in, in an organization and you want to maybe pitch an idea to your boss. Well, what kind of boss is that person? You know, are they, um, are they really logical and they want numbers and, and facts and stuff? Well, you have to build that into your story, right? That's a, that's like, Oh, we need some pecans. Cause he really likes pecans. Right. <laughs> um, you know, or are they more laid back and just telling, you know, an interesting story to them? Um, will get them, you know, interested in, in your idea and, yeah, so stories they have to they actually evolve depending on who you're talking to, um, your audiences, right? Like, I'm not going to tell a story about the greatest soccer player to a bunch of football fans. They're just going to be like, <laughs> so what, right? Like, um, so unless it's Ted Lasso, 
And then I feel well, like Ted Lasso ap- <laughs> appeals to anyone and everyone. And if you don't like Ted Lasso, then I'm not sure why you're listening to my podcast. I just alienated like a very small fraction of people, but well, I, I, I have like, I've been watching it since the beginning and I think it is some of the best storytelling on any medium right now. Um, like I've told people pay the $60 just to watch Ted Lasso, right? Like you can watch mythic Quest and all like the tiny world and you know, the earth at night and all that other stuff. That's great. Ted Lasso like is it, it is the most incredible storytelling I've seen on TV or in a movie or even in a book in like the last decade, like hands down. So I, I'm sold. I'm I'm a Tedite or whatever you want to call me. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, let's stick there for a minute because I think there's a very interesting angle here with Ted Lasso. So you watched the same show that I watched, and while mm-hmm. I agree there's tremendous storytelling. I've been writing a podcast episode about the leadership lessons of Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone, if if the story is good enough, if the story is compelling enough, and if it has enough facets, then people will hear or look at that story and take away what they need. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that every story is for everyone, but it's just so interesting to me that like, we're watching the same thing, but but we take away slightly different all intended things. Well, it goes back to the point that I made earlier about like um, having human elements that people can relate to in your story. So I'll give you a, for instance, uh, watched uh, WandaVision on, on Disney plus. Um, and I, abs- I, I loved it. Like I thought it was really well done. And, you know, by the end I practically was in tears but here's the thing. Am I a woman? No. Do I have superpowers? No. Right. But I can understand loss. I've, I've, I've lost loved ones so I can connect to that aspect of the story. Um, I can connect to the grief and to the, the struggle and to wanting things to be differently. Right. And so to me, I think a good story should speak to anybody like, I don't like, I, I, kind of disappointed with all like the you know political stuff that's been happening in Hollywood where it's like we have to change this thing and that thing and it's like no tell a good story like i you know like i watched black panther i'm not black like i enjoyed it like you know what i mean like because it was telling a story about a, you know a man who was like learning to kind of be- become a king and his challenges and struggles right like and you know, as a guy, I can connect with that. It doesn't matter, you know, that he lives in Africa or, you know, he's a different color than I am. Like I, you know, that there are very human elements baked into a story that I can connect with. So, um, yeah. And I mean, the funny thing is, is like, they rarely play soccer in Ted Lasso. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's more about the characters and what's going on in their lives. And, um, and there's different things, uh, that we can connect with. Like I, I mean, well, I don't, I don't want to give away any spoilers about Ted Lasso, but uh, the thing that happened a couple episodes ago that we found out um, with Ted's life, uh, I had a friend who uh, had the same thing happen to them. And so I, I was able to relate to that and go, man, that's heavy. You know, like that's really, that would be a very difficult thing to overcome. So, so yeah, I mean, um, 
yeah, there has to be these different elements that we relate to because we've experienced them in our life or whatever. That's also what makes good storytelling. So I have to say back to WandaVision for a brief second, (laughs) that line from vision, when he says, what is grief? If not love persevering, Mm -hmm. I don't think you've ever met a line that was more of a story all in itself than those Mm -hmm. few words. Like just that sentence was a story. And it was her story and it was his story. I mean, it was, it was mind blowing. So yes, also love the storytelling of WandaVision. (laughs) WandaVision did an incredible job of like, of not only the human elements, but sort of weaving in, you know, the different, um, I'm not going to spoiler either here, but like the different generations and, you know, how those were playing a part in things as it went along. Mm -hmm. Um, the other one that has incredible storytelling is Schitt's Creek. <laughs> um, and I actually want to go there for a second because I think it's related to the idea of vision, not vision mm-hmm. from WandaVision. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that they decided to do as they went into Schitt's Creek and like started writing and filming was to act as if homophobia wasn't real. Mm -hmm. Right. To act as if not because they were dismissing it in real life, but like, what would the world look like if we accepted one another? Mm -hmm. And so there was this element of, you know, how do you build, not build a world around that, but actually build a world around like what you would want the world to look like. And I think that that is what we don't always do well in corporate storytelling. I'm using air quotes for those who are listening. Um, you know, it's one thing to paint a vision of, you know, let's fix this problem, right? Mm-hmm. If this problem is fixed, X, then Y. But it is quite a skill. And I think it's one that you talk about in your book and kind of we've been talking about all along to actually even let yourself dream a little bit, mm-hmm. Right. Let yourself imagine what the world could be and be excited about it as you're telling that story. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I say is that um, building a strong vision is like building a a house that other people can see themselves living in. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's kind of the same idea that you're talking about. It's like, well, you know, what if the future looked like this? I mean, JFK, you know, had a very succinct vision when he said, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the year. Right. It was a it was a it was very clear. This is what's happening. This is our you know, this is our future state, our end goal of what we're trying to achieve. We as a country want to do this. And, you know, and and he he put a deadline on it, which I mean, those those men and women worked insane hours to to actually make that (laughs) make that idea happen. Um, But again, that shows the power of a strong vision and you know, too often people make the vision about themselves or their company or whatever. And it's like, no, like, uh, like a really good vision, like other people can start to see where they fit in, right? Like, and what they are, um, how they can help support that vision every day, because where they're going is very clear, right? Um, I think too often the vision, you know, or the quote, quote vision in the corporate world is sort of bland and, um, blurry and, uh, you know, it and and it doesn't inspire anybody. Like nobody's like, this is what we're doing. Um, so, yay, make I, more money. 
yeah, work harder. <laughs> Why? Why should I care? Right? Like, right. Um, and you know, I I went through the same process with um, with the agency. You know, before, like I said, we worked and we got paid money, and we had no direction. So we were we were without a vision and being without a vision and, and running a business is like having a car without a steering wheel, right? You can push on the gas, make things go forward. You can hit the brakes and slow things down. But at some point you, you're going to like drive off a cliff um, because you have no control over where you're going and you, you have no, um, no vision, right? Like, so when, um, when we rebranded our agency, I, one of the first things I said was like, we got to figure out a vision. Like, what is our vision? And I, because we'd switched to storytelling and everything was just kind of aligning with me personally, um, I was able to define a very clear vision, which is, you know, startups have a 90% failure rate. Our goal is to reduce that startup failure rate by 10%. So it's very clear, it's measurable, and it's a future thing. We're not going to do that tomorrow or next week or next year, but, um, and we know how we're going to do it. We're going to help people be better communicators so that they can prove their market or prove their value to the market and, and to investors. And um, because at the end of the day, humans have to use words and writing to communicate with one another, right? We all don't just stand there and pantomime, <laughs> you know? So, so if we can improve that, um, then I think, I think things will be a lot different in the future. Yeah, for sure. There's a, the piece of that that kept coming up for me um, and it, like you not trying to go down a, a political um, whenever someone says that, by the way, you think they're actually about to, I'm really not going to, but I will say um, president Obama had a book called the audacity of hope mm-hmm. and whether or not you agree with what is in the book itself, that phrase is so powerful to me because we act like hope is this weak thing right? We act like hope is this, um, I don't know that it's soft. And what I love about that phrase, I swear I'm going to get it tattooed on my arm one day, (laughs) is it acknowledges the fact that sometimes to be hopeful, to be hopeful that you could reduce startup failure by 10% is audacious, Mm -hmm. right? And audacity is what people can get behind, like mm-hmm. I'm, maybe you discovered this in your research and I'm going to go to the research in a second, <laughs> but like there's something about an underdog that people love. And there is something about, you know, not just an inspiring vision, but people, people don't like to be told they can't do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's something about hope that is audacious. And mm-hmm. I think when you can weave that into your storytelling, like you did with your vision, then yeah, it's inspiring. It gets people out of bed in the morning because they're like, don't tell me I can't reduce startup failure by 10%. I'm doing that. Well, um, it gives you a clear goal to, and you can start going, what actions do I need to take ch- take to actually do that? Right? Like, whereas like other, other visions are just like, I don't care. Right? Like, I mean, and, and a lot of people working in, in the corporate space kind of end up feeling that way because they're just like, what are we doing? I guess I'm here because I'm making money, but am I, am I making a difference? Is anything changing? You know, and not everybody feels that way. Some people are perfectly happy to, to go do the nine to five. And, you know, but I think, you know, like you said, your audience is the wild hearts, right? So the people more, you know, than just, you know, being a corporate drone. 
So yeah, exactly. It it occurred to me when you were saying that that I guess it means in some of those cases that our leader is the one who failed to tell the good story, or they told the story that only appealed to them and didn't yeah. appeal to the people of the organization, um, or in some cases the customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I think you know, like I mentioned before, like a good mentor um, creates a also creates a vision for where you where you could be right? Like, um, you know, they're, they're the people who are like, you know, if you work on this in the next year, I could see you moving up to management or I could see you taking over this department or, but here's the things you need to get better at. Right. And so that again is, is creating an, a, a future ideal, but, but that person is saying, I'm going to help you get there. Right. And I don't think I, you know, I, I haven't worked in the corporate world in a long time, but, uh, from what I've heard, <laughs> there aren't a lot of people who do that. There are definitely, you know, good mentors, but like, yeah, I mean, some people don't tell stories at all. They just say, you know, we need to hit these numbers. We need to do this. We need to do that. And there's no story there. There's no vision there. It's just work harder, you know? (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, I think what's interesting about where we are just societally, at least in, you know, North America, is that people want story now, mm -hmm. you know, like, our generation, I was hesitating, but I think we're this we are the same generation, give or take. <laughs> and those coming behind us, my daughter, my son, they want meaning and they want purpose. And if they don't get it from a job, they're just gonna go be entrepreneurs themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, things like this podcast have cropped up because we're trying to tell the story that meaning is important, doing things, you know, not the way that we've always done them is important because without it, like, I think we're going to see a massive shift in the way that the world of work works. Mm-hmm. Um, so that segues me just real quick. Um, I've been wanting to ask you a little bit about the research and this notion that we want a story. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, did that come up in the research and why is it that humans need this story? Like, why is it that we connect with patterns and with story? Yeah. So, um, so I think the answer to that um, kind of leads into the anthropo- anthropological um, area where um, we basically, you know, however we got here, you know, um, we have always used story to pass information. Um, we did that before we were painting on the inside of caves, before we had the alphabet, before we had the printing press, we were telling stories and those stories were basically like, eat this berry, don't eat that berry, do this in the summertime, do that in the wintertime, conduct your life like this. So you're not a freaking idiot, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and, um, and we see that across every, every culture and, um, and we still see it today. I mean, you know, like we've all had the experience of like being a kid and, and our grandfather or grandmother sitting us down and telling us stories, right? Your parents were like this. I did this, you know, I mean, my grandparents lived through the Great Depression. So they talked about that and, and you know, World War II and, and you know, all these things. And, and they're sharing their perspective. I'm also, you know, you're all learning from them as they're, as they're telling you this. And so we know that that's how we've always been. Um, so 
you know, depending on, on your viewpoint, we either evolved that way or we were designed that way or whatever, doesn't matter. It's always been there. And so it is, um, it is basically hard, hardwired into the system. So that's why, that's why we, we uh, recognize it. That's why we, uh, you know, uh, respond to it. And now that we've, you know, gone into the neuroscience area, it's like, we can see like the, up to seven different parts of the brain light up when you tell a story. Only two parts light up when you, when you do facts and figures. And the two parts that light up are hearing and language comprehension. That's it. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, that's why in a corporate world, you can sit through that 100, 100 uh, slide PowerPoint, walk out and go, I don't remember anything that, that the person said. Right, because it was just a bunch of numbers, and they were flying by really fast. And it's like we did this, we did that, we need to do this. We, here's areas of improvement, blah 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 blah. There's no story there, right? It's just just all that, all that stuff. So, um, but now that we can scan brains and go, holy crap! Like the brain gets super active when a story's you know being told, as long as as long as the listeners engage in that story, right? Like, um, I'm not a fan of like period dramas you know so like if i sat there that would be a story but it wouldn't be a story that would light up seven parts of my brain you know <laughs> i might right. be not at the level of one or two um but you know you you show me star wars and i uh it's at least seven you know maybe there's more <laughs> you know firing if it's away. Ted Lasso, then like you have parts yeah, of your all, brain you didn't even know existed yeah all 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 parts are are lighting up but yeah, before we didn't we didn't see that kind of stuff. So we're like we got observations right about like wow, you know, people really seem to pay attention when you tell a good story. And it's like, but we couldn't see into the brain to know what was what was happening. And you know, like the thing that I mentioned earlier about like your brain waves starting to sync up. Couldn't see that before either. Didn't know that that was even happening. Um, you know, we you know, one of the other things that we do is we we create simulations all the time. Um, in our brain. And what we do is we put ourselves in the simulation and we ask ourselves, what would I do in that situation? Right? Like, um, you know, if I was Ted in this situation or that situation, would I do this? Would I do that? Um, we do the same thing when somebody tells us a story. Like, you know, they're like, I had this conversation with so-and-so. And then what happens? Well, I would have said this, right? That person who was listening was creating the simulation and then responding based on the simulation and saying, I would do this in this situation. That's kind of how um, advice tends to work. But the other the other thing about simulation is we lose time, right? Because our, we literally kind of shut down and, and go into our own heads. And that's why you can read a book and be like, oh, it's two hours later or play a video game or watch a movie um, and lose track of time. because. Uh, What's happening is you're actually being transported into the story through simulation. So, again, stuff we can we can see on brain scans and whatnot. Um, we just didn't know was happening. So, but it all matches. That's the best way that I can like respond to that. Like that all clicks. It makes mm -hmm. sense. You know, now we're just starting to uncover the things that have been there all along. Um when you were talking about the like original, you know, communication way back in the day, like it was keeping us safe, right? Mm -hmm. Those stories were keeping us safe. And in some ways we try to use story the same way right now, 
you know, you try to like tell your coworker that your boss is in a bad mood or something, (laughs) you know, we're sort of keeping each other safe. Um, Yeah. And I think we can only benefit from learning how to do that better, learning how to refine those skills. And also by doing that, we preserve, you know, like we preserve our culture um, as a society, you know, um, and like share those things with people coming up. Like my daughter is really into the music that my husband's into because he's been telling her stories about these bands yeah. since, you know, since she was born. Um, my son with movies and like, he's a huge Marvel fan because mm-hmm. the story was that like, you know, my husband loves star Wars and Marvel coming up. And so, <laughs> you know, I mean, Certainly there are pieces of our culture that we can let go by the wayside over time, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of goodness here to hang on to. And so I love the idea that we're kind of, um, that's how we can like even organizational culture. That's how mm-hmm. you keep culture moving and maybe not preserving it. Maybe what I'm looking for is moving forward. That's how we keep our culture moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Well, I mean, speaking of Marvel, um, you know, it's like the movies aren't those movies are all kind of the same, but they're different at the same time. Right. They're all typically following the hero's journey. Right. Like um, it is about a hero who has to overcome a problem and learn something along the way. There is some transformation that happens. Right. They may turn into a superhero or or they accidentally acquire powers or whatever. But they have to with that they have to grow and understand how to become a better person and actually become, you know, the hero part of that superhero. And so we as humans, again, we, we recognize that because, you know, one day we're, you know, storming the castle and the next day we're locked up in the dungeon and our lives go through this, this pattern. And, and so that's why it, it resonates with us. So I just wanted to hit on that just because people are like, Oh, that's just a big action a big dumb action movie with lots of special effects. And it's like, no, it's, it's a story that like people can relate to, even if they're, you know, not Captain America or Iron Man or whatever, you know, <laughs> today I learned that clueless from 19, I don't know, 92 was a hero's journey. I'm just going to let that sink in. I want those of you who have seen clueless to think back through Cher's story. It was a hero's journey. And I think that is a wonderful place to end today, Seth. (laughs) Um, So we are getting to the end of our time. As we wrap up, will you please one more time tell everyone about your book, your agency, if you'd like, and how they can find you? Yeah. So the book, if you just search How to Hack Humans on Amazon, um, I promise like cannibal recipes will not pop up. It'll be fine. Uh, Ew. I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that. Ew. Um, so if you search that on Amazon, and I, I don't know when the podcast is coming out, but it's 99 cents until October 15th. And then afterwards, it'll be available on Kindle, paperback, and hardcover, apparently. So, um, but uh, you can find uh, me at storyfyagency.com. Uh, Storyfy is S T O R I F Y agency.com. And, um, for listeners of the show, we uh, 
Yes. Are you giving us a special thing, Seth? Yes. If you go to slash wild hearts after Storyfy agency, uh, you can download the first chapter of the book for free and check it out. See if, see if it's your cup of tea, as they say. Your um, cup of? Yeah. <laughs> you mean tea right. isn't just brown water? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Lasso reference. If you're listening and you don't know that yet, you need to go watch Ted Lasso. I yeah. am not sponsored by Apple or Ted Lasso, but I should be. <laughs> um, so one more time, we have a special website, storyfyagency.com slash wild hearts, where you can go and download the first chapter of the book. That is so generous, Seth. Yes. Amazing. Well, again, thank you for being here. I am really excited about your book. Um, I'm not, I'm going to skip the first chapter and just go buy the book because you deserve to be supported in hardback even. Um, thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom with us. I haven't had this much fun in quite some time because I don't think I've talked about Ted Lasso on any other episode. Well, I mean, I, I try to like bring Ted Lasso into pretty much every conversation I have because I'm like a Ted Lasso evangelist. Like I'm like, you know, go watch it, you know, like, and I actually had a friend who, who is a soccer fan who had a free subscription to Apple TV and he put it off for two months. Cause he was like, ah, it's a show about soccer. It's not going to be very good. He texts me one night at two in the morning. He goes, Oh my gosh, I watched the entire first season in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> good man. Good man. Yes. yes. All right. Seth's friend, you are on the good list for wild hearts at work. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again, Seth. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us again this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, join our Patreon. You can get some cool merch. I'm getting much better at saying that without being awkward. Did you guys notice that? (laughs) Um, And lastly, until next time, dear hearts, stay wild. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Wild Hearts at Work. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. For more resources and to connect with Melissa, visit melissaboggs.com. Also, if you or someone you know is doing great work in a wild way, get in touch about being a guest on the show. Until next time.